When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development proudly supports the Hopi tribe and nonprofit Hopi entities to provide essential technical support in engineering, architectural, and project management services. Eddie Kalnimtua can relate to the hard work on the Hopi reservation, including the cornfield duties and traditional ceremonies that he was raised on. He values this tradition, so Terraform Development was formed to meet these needs on the Hopi reservation. Contact Terraform Development at T E R R A, the number 4 O R M. Dot com and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. Also sponsored by... Hi, I'm Kiona, Hopi Relief volunteer and board member. Hopi Relief is a grassroots, Hopi-led, nonprofit organization founded to provide relief services, food boxes, and essential supplies to Hopi tribal members throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Our focus is to uplift the Hopi community by empowering our people to create homegrown solutions to challenges we face. We are supported by the generosity of like-minded individuals and organizations who simply want to help. You can get involved by following us on social media, sharing our story, or donating on our website, www.hopirelief.org. We are at Hopi Relief on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Morning, Hopi Land. Welcome to the famous Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. Our last episode, <laughs> you didn't say good morning. So I was thinking, oh, thank God he's finally gotten over that. But here it is. It's back again. Oh, man. I, Just like I, that cockroach I, you think you got rid of. I, and then it crawls out of <laughs> under from underneath the refrigerator or something. I, I wanted to say good morning because... I've been up since four o'clock this morning and I haven't said good morning to the world yet. So, <laughs> so good morning, everybody. So good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hey, it's just morning. We're night. doing this. It's just morning. We're doing this. Okay. I'm trying to be inclusive to all the people that listen to the podcast. <laughs> they don't get up at noontime. In the afternoons, no. in the evenings, nighttimes. <laughs> well, again, thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast and uh, we're excited to be back with another exciting episode topic before we get into that. You know, we got a, a new member. Oh yeah. Of the 30 pack uh, sponsor group and we'd like to welcome Michaela Williams. All right. Well, thank you, Michaela Williams. To the 30 pack contributor area and you'll definitely be a part of that list of uh, invitations that go out first when we celebrate 1 million downloads. Oh yeah, exactly. And Whenever they, that may be. <laughs> and thank you all for the uh, sponsorships as well too. So all of our 30 pack sponsors that are contributing to on uh, Anchor, thank you for that. Big thank you for that. Big guacqua to you all for supporting us and helping us to expand expand the podcast. And uh, today we got a very interesting episode. Oh, yeah. Today we're going to be talking about res mentality. <laughs> res mentality. So 
what is res mentality? It's something that you don't really hear about a whole no. lot, right? Like res mentality. You hear about other things associated with the word res. Yeah. yeah. You're all resed out or, you know, <laughs> but then when, when you think about it, though, you know, this res mentality, I guess it's kind of at least the way that I think about it. It's um, what the mentalities are of our people that live here on the reservation, because if you think about it, it is kind of unique to a degree. In comparison with like uh, the the larger you know uh, population of like the state of Arizona or the larger population of um, the United States, yeah, and I think that when you think about a mentality, when you think about the way that a person thinks, that definitely a big contrib- contributor to how we think or how we perceive the world, how we perceive ourselves, comes from our um, what's around us, our environment. See, when I was living in Tuba City, we used to call the Southwest Johns. So they're all Johned out. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the same thing as res mentality? I, I, I think that the practice of doing that is a part of that mentality. And we've talked about, you know, some of these different unique um, quirks in terms of, you know, how we uh, how we communicate with each other, how we talk with each other how we treat each other. Yeah. And, you know, because then I, when you think, because I think that this conversation really goes all the way back to the very beginning of the podcast, to those growing up res episodes. Because if you remember, one of the things that we mentioned was that when somebody falls and hurts themselves, that our our instinct is to laugh. <laughs> to laugh first. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh first before we check on them, before we, you know, see if that they're okay. And I, I, I think that things like that are a part of that, that res mentality. We're like, oh, no, oh, man, you know what? Oh, sh- man, look at that guy. <laughs> are you speaking Chinese? <laughs> Trying not to curse on this episode here, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that your pet got flagged for uh, some issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually don't curse on these episodes, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's part of the res mentality, Carl. <laughs> Well, anyway, like, you know, the, the whole idea is because we we grow up in, like I said before, like this fishbowl era where it's like we know each other's crap and we, we eat each other's crap on a daily basis. And so we think in a way where it's so it, it's so small minded, but yet yet we just we just kind of, you know, have that that mindset of just being together, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that that's true because then when you think about, you know, like the res mentality, it really is kind of that, I guess, to speak to a larger audience in, in, in phrases, terms that people might understand, like small town living. Yeah. Or small town mentality, because we really do live in, in this fishbowl that we've mentioned before, because then, you know, for the most part, a lot of us that live on the reservation we don't go outside the reservation very often. No, no. That, that we stay home and, you know, our, our places of employment for those of us that do work, it's on the reservation. That the people that we visit, everything, it's all on the reservation. And so everything's pretty, um, I guess it stays in one place. Yeah. And so oftentimes like that, like your mind stays in one place. Yeah. And so, so, you know, we kind of develop that type of mentality. We develop that type of thinking. Um, And so, you know, I guess that's kind of a reason as to why we think the way that we do sometimes for for folks on the reservation. But what are some other reasons as to why we think the way that you do or or some other variables as to reasonings as to why we why you think we think the way that we think? (laughs) 
Boy, that was a hard sentence to say. <laughs> it, it, it was like trying to figure out where my cheese was and trying to get out of the maze. Well, you know, my my understanding is that, yes, I did grow up on, on a village or in a village. And I still live in a village today. And, yes, we have neighbors uh, that that do, you know, a lot of the... Uh, uh, do a lot of the the Hopi stuff, and we do the Hopi stuff as well. And we're we're a very close knit community. Is that the reason why? Is because there's so few of us that do actually live in the village itself, and we become a family, I guess you could say. So we we know each other's uh, schedules and each other's uh, you know failures and you know successes and stuff. So. That's so funny that you say that because it does remind me of like that, like village living. Yeah. Because village living is different from living any other way. Yeah. Because then out here on the Hopi Reservation, I guess, you know, something that we have mentioned before is that, you know, you have these different communities on the Hopi Reservation and the village community is um, something that I guess is what is most consistent with how Hopis used to live long time ago. Yeah. Living yeah. within the village, but because of different reasons, people have moved outside of the village. And so you have a lot of these different trailer communities, mostly, that are uh, outside of the village on lands that belong to the village. But when you actually live in the village, that it's a, a different type of living because in any village, any Hopi village, most Hopi villages, that nobody really has their own space no. in a way. No. Like you don't have a front yard that's no. specifically to yours. You don't have a backyard that's exclusively to your home. It's like everything is a shared space. Oh, yeah. Everything is a community space. And that whole piece, and this is, you know, it's kind of a big argument that I make. You know, you hear that uh, term. Indian time, yeah. which means, you know, you're always late <laughs> or you're always running behind. But Hopi time is early. It, like most Hopis wake up before the sun comes up. Well, uh, I would have to kind of disagree with you with that. <laughs> so most Hopis don't get up before the sun anymore. So, Well, I guess you live in a different part of the <laughs> reservation than I do. <laughs> And, you know, you think about the village because oftentimes I, as a kid, you know, staying down with my soul sometimes yeah. at her home in our in our village, that that's something that I would remember is that a lot of the people, I guess mostly the older people, that they would be up at the oh, crack yeah. of dawn. Yeah. And then, like you said, everybody kind of had their routine. Certain people, you would see certain people walk out with their buckets to the village faucets mm-hmm. at the same time every day filling up their buckets with water for their home usage or you would see certain people go out and do certain activities related to um, their home living or something oh yeah at exactly the same time and so you <laughs> you would have people in these routines and I think that that's probably was is a village thing is to have a routine yeah and so like you know because every day what we do is that we get up and we have breakfast soul makes breakfast for us. And then we look out the window and uh, we see the same people driving by and it's like, oh, you know, our, you know, she's going to probably going to this place again. And then, you know, we're and then we know each other's schedule and we're like, oh, did, uh, you know, who so and so already go to, uh, you know, dialysis again? And, uh, (laughs) oh, he's not even out his door yet. So we're, you know, it's uh, better go check on him. (laughs) Better go check on him. So it's, it's, I guess it's our routine to kind of like check. And I guess the neighbors do the same thing too. You know, they'll, we'll say that, oh yeah, Carl's probably working in his uh, office right now. And, uh, oh, you know what? It's probably lunchtime. He's probably going to go to the, (laughs) 
Yeah. Carl's walking out back to the uh, doom soaker. He's probably going <laughs> to go rub one out again. <laughs> so, you know, it it's that res that res thinking that yes, we are a community. Yes, we are. We watch each other's back, you know, and we we make sure that in our our neighbors have enough food, enough water, enough uh, wood to last them uh, throughout the winters or summers. And and it's just that I guess you could say that we we help each other in a way. I, that that type of dynamic I think is probably mostly with village living. I would say. Yeah. And I mean I'm sure you know that type of um, that type of dynamic probably exists in other places on the reservation outside of the villages. But you're right. You really do see that type of um, that that type of community dynamic within the villages where you know your neighbor's routines yeah or you know your neighbor's issues yeah because like that you know which village members have to go to the hospital yeah on a standing appointment yeah. for things like dialysis or other types of things and you're like you're saying you're looking out the window kind of watching out for everybody's and things and, and, and then you know it's there's certain people in the village oh so and so's on a binge again <laughs> and you and, guys better stay in sight today <laughs> and two it's like i guess it's soul's entertainment sort of like <laughs> <laughs> so like you know like our neighbor one of our neighbors you know she's uh you know she's in in a certain situation she's like oh look at her she's with another guy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that sort of social so, media, yeah, so of social media, sort of version of uh, <laughs> l- looking at people's timelines. <laughs> she's like, she's not even with that man anymore. <laughs> Where's that other guy? That's so funny because, then, like, I I recall, you know, times, you know, staying with my soul that So'o would probably get at least three to four visitors a day. Yeah. And they're all So'os. Yeah. They're all yeah. old ladies from, you know, different households and they'll come and that's what they'll do. You know, they'll gossip. They'll just gossip. They'll, they'll do the business first. You know, <laughs> do you have extra this? Do you have extra that? But once that's put aside, then they'll gossip. Yeah. And then they'll start talking about, you know, different people in the village or, you know, for their own families and what people are doing. And it's weird because, yeah, the same thing with uh, with Soul, the famous Soul. You know, she she has visitors that come, and her sisters would come over, and they would gossip for hours on end. And I'm I'm a you know I'm a, a regular Hopi man, you know, and expecting, I guess, expecting a meal during certain times. <laughs> <laughs> and I know some of you out there are probably like, you know, just cook for yourself. It's like, no way. If you have soul that cooks good food, you <laughs> might as well take advantage of soul's good food. You're like Will Ferrell's character <laughs> on uh, the wedding crashers. <laughs> so where's my meatloaf? <laughs> so meatloaf. <laughs> I never know where she is. <laughs> So I mean, I, I can attest Carl is that kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, it's nothing bad. It's just that I Soul Soul has good good cooking skills, and I, I just want to keep that keep her skills. There's in- this wonderful product, Carl. It's <laughs> called ramen noodles. You put water into a pot and you put it on boil. As soon as it boils, you open the package. Yep. You drop the raw noodles into the water. <laughs> Five minutes later, you're good to go. Yeah, Soul does that for me too. So. <laughs> So did you cut the crust off of my my uh my PB and J? My grilled cheese. My grilled cheese so is my grilled cheese ready so <laughs> I didn't get the memo that we're having dessert today, so 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't get any menu today. You didn't. You didn't Facebook me this menu. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess you know that that is part of what the development is in terms of like how we think or even, yeah, you know how we look at the world. But you know, there's some other things too. I think as to the reasons why we have these reservation mentalities. Of some of them, you know, is the fact that. We don't have a lot of money. No. Most people out here on the reservation, we don't have a lot of money. And so that leads us to kind of try to do our best without. And then the other thing, too, is that in our perception, at least, is that we don't have a lot of opportunity in terms of the white man's world. No, we don't. Out here, we don't have a lot of employment opportunities. There aren't a lot of educational opportunities, opportunities that you would see in the cities, especially for things like neighborhoods, like there's no YMCA. No. There's no clubs of any the, kind. The big brothers, big sisters. Big brothers, big sisters. There's no uh, golf greens that, you know, if you're a man and you want to get yeah. out of your house to go hit, whack some balls off, you know, <laughs> that, that those things aren't present out here. And so, you know, I think that the fact that we do have things like TV, we have things like internet, that we do see how the rest of the world lives. Yeah. And that we see that the rest of the world has these opportunities that they have these uh, what we think are enhancements in their life because they have things like i don't know big malls and places to shop nice restaurants um, we see kids with really nice education uh, schools and you know they have involvement with things like soccer on the weekends and you know so soccer moms is something that's non-existent out here on the yeah. reservation yeah and so i think that that kind of develops a certain mentality that sometimes we feel like we're being left out well i i guess you could say it is being we're, we're being left out in the world Mm-hmm. But when you really look at it, we don't really need any of those things to be happy or to survive. Yes, of course, we do need money to survive now nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I guess you could say that we're we just don't have that that behind the mentality to say that I need a soccer team or I need to. You never wanted to be on a soccer team? No, I never wanted to be on a soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, I want to go hit some little white balls around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and no, I'm not talking about the, the white men. I'm talking about golf, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that, you know, when I think about being a kid and, you know, having the ability to see what the world lives like through television or through the Internet. Well, I guess not really the Internet back in our days. Yeah. But then, you know, you saw kids play things like baseball. Yeah. You saw kids play things like football, although we did play football. One of the things about football, when we used to play as a kid, I always used to wonder like, oh, man, it's probably so nice to get tackled on nice soft green grass (laughs) instead of getting tackled on our hard, (laughs) rocky soil that's out here that we play football on. That's how that's how you uh, separate the men from the boys there. <laughs> It'd be so nice not to come up with uh, cuts on my elbows every time <laughs> I go down to the ground. I, I can't wear shortcuts because my knees are just all scraped up. <laughs> And <laughs> I know, no, you know, those are those are some of the things that I do think about in terms of, well, at least from my own experiences and the way that I thought was that, you know, because through other means you saw what the rest of the world lived yeah, like. And yeah. then you always wondered what, what what would it be like to have those things? And I think especially as I got older, because like thinking of like in high school, right? Yeah. Like you watch TV and, you know, some of these shows, the kids that are depicted in these shows, they go to certain schools and they have things like golf teams. Yeah. Or they have things like like tennis teams, things like that, like soccer, for example. Yeah. And it's like, I, I've, 
never really been at a school that had a soccer team. You know, there is uh, the Hopi Soccer League out here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think they started it um, a few years ago, but I, I don't know if it's still going on or or I don't know what's happened with that. But yeah, there was there was a soccer league out here on the Hopi Reservation. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they played at, you know, <laughs> on, the, on the cement in the... On the, you know, uh, in the basketball court. They, they probably know. played in one of the school gymnasiums and <laughs> in, in, uh, indoor soccer league. <laughs> but you did say something, though, that, you know, because the fact that we are Hopi, that we didn't really look at some of the components of the white man's lifestyle and really yearn for those things. Yeah. Because we had our own uh, way of life to a degree that we still maintain. And so I guess based off of Hopi culture, Hopi religion and Hopi language. How do you think that helped to mold the mentalities out here on the reservation? I guess it, what it means is that it, it kept our traditions strong. It kept our culture strong without the uh, so much huge influence from Bahanas or huge influence from the white men is because we didn't think of the white man first. We th- thought about the the Hopi religion first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess that's the reason why our culture is so strong is because we think in a way where Hopi should come first, then everything else should come second. Unless it comes to the green. <laughs> Unless you're, you're paying somebody or you're getting money from somebody. Unless it comes to, should I pay respect to my culture or should I make that Facebook post? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, or, or when you're smoking and praying, you know, should I pray for rain or pray for more money? <laughs> <laughs> but you are right, though. I mean, because then, you know, you think about um, the mentalities. I, I think that definitely one of the things that I think about, about a res mentality that's specific and unique to Hopi. Yeah. Is that when you think about your older family members, people that you're supposed to get an education from your tahas, yeah. your fathers, your kwa'as, that they really would teach you lessons about how to think about the world from a Hopi context. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I think that that was kind of a little bit different because then, you know, what thinking about being a boy that you did learn a lot of concepts about the world through a Hopi lens, which I think was so unique. And then we've talked about a lot of those in terms of like as young boys, how you approach the field work, working down in the fields, how they taught you the importance of that and the reasonings as to why we did some of those things. During ceremony time, you would learn what was so special about that time of year and about the specific ceremony that was going on. And then so in a way, how on the white man's side, you have this calendar, January, February, March, all the way through till December. But in Hopi, we had our own calendar that we knew that certain things were going to happen in the villages during these times of the year. And so right around New Year's, right before New Year's, right after in between New Year's and Christmas, you knew that you had to wake up early uh-huh. and you know, because you had to go uh, pray because uh-huh. that was prayer for their time. Yeah. And then going into February, you knew that the bean dance was going to come around yeah. and you're going to get a new outa. If you're on the third Mesa side, but you guys get those weird sticks out at, uh, <laughs> on the second Mesa side, the Talwi Pikis. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and so forth and so forth all the way till you go back around. And that there are all these different things that happen throughout the village. And so all of these different ceremonials and occurrences, certain people would be busy with certain types of things. And then so you would see 
on both sides, the male and the female side, different types of activities happening. Yeah. For the men, usually they're down in the kiva preparing for something. On the women's side, they'll either be cleaning corn, grinding corn, or getting certain types of meal ingredients ready. Because even that's something that's unique too, is that certain types of dishes are consumed at different times of the year. Yeah. And so I think that the fact that we still had these strong ceremonies going on or the fact that the ceremonies were still going on, that we still had this strong perception of how we perceived the world as Hopis, that that really did mold our mentalities in, in how we thought of things. Yeah, excellent, excellent point of view. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Strong Ones. Every Strong Ones design has a story and a unique meaning. They create designs to celebrate traditions of running and uplift native cultures across the globe. They also partner with local artists on special projects in hopes to expose talent and creativity of Hopi people. Strong Ones are often referred to as Ho-Hongvit in the Hopi language. They can be found at Ho-Hongvit.com. That's H-O-H-O-N-G-V-I-T.com. And we're back. And so, you know, laying out some of those contexts about why we think the way that we do, what it is that we think about. There's this one term that, you know, you kind of hear often related to uh, not just Hopis, but Native people in general is this term of being res. Yeah. Or this uh, phrase of you're all resed out. <laughs> what does that mean to be resed out? <laughs> I guess why, why, why do we say that? I guess you know when when we were back in high school, we used to call each other's Johnnies and stuff like that. <laughs> Johnnies. <laughs> I, I even heard the term Hopi John. Hopi John. Like there's no. I've never heard a term or a phrase that describes Hopis. Yeah. That act. I guess real res out, and I think that's what that term John is, right? Except yeah. it's for the Navajo. Yeah, it's like you're you're acting. You have like this certain like uh, uh, like speech speech that you're you're talking about, and or like you're and we just call them all John all John doubt and I'm pretty sure that you know that's a Navajo word for like uh something offensive (laughs) (laughs) but then you know we do think about that because then I think about that term res doubt or being res yeah and I think that some of it goes back to a lot of what we talked about is having a certain type of mentality yeah and I think that what part of that mentality is or how you approach things is uh it's it's almost like a, a a poor man's a poor man's way of life, I guess. Oh, yeah. To be res yeah. or to be res because then you, we've mentioned that, you know, out here on the reservation that a lot of people don't have a lot of money. A lot of people don't have a lot of resources. And so, you know, you do the best with what you've got. And so I think really that's what that term means being resed out or you're all res is that you're doing things with little but you're making the most of it. Yeah. And then so like you hear some of these jokes in reference to being resed out. It's like um, you're, you're, you're a real Indian if you use blankets for uh, your, your window <laughs> your drapes. Window <laughs> Actually, we do have some uh, blankets around here. So, <laughs> And, and that, that, that's a concept like that because then it's like, you know, I have all these blankets. Why would I go to the store and buy uh, window drapes <laughs> if I got these blankets? And then so you hang these blankets up to cover your windows. Exactly. Exactly. If you don't have a blanket hanging as your door, are you even native? Are you even native? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think that, you know, uh, the prime example of this idea of being res or being resed out, uh, I think uh, one of the shining 
examples is fry bread. Oh, yeah. It's fry, fry bread. bread because fry bread is something that's a universal food that most native communities consume. And I think even the story of fry bread and how it was developed that you think about when the United States government, the federal government first started creating reservations, when they first started, I guess, corralling our people and forcing them to live in these small confined yeah. areas, whether that was on their own heritage homelands or if they were forcibly removed from someplace else and then having to live in a different place is that you always hear these stories that they got something called rations and rations were uh, types of ingredients that were afforded to them by the federal government so that they could live and it was through these rations that they developed fry bread because then they were given things like lard they were given things like uh, numni flour salt and from that they were able to make this dough and then cook this dough into the fry bread and so i think that that's kind of like one of the examples of being rezzed out is is making something out of very little yeah yeah i guess you could say that i guess you could you could say that that's the birth of how fry bread came to be and uh, a, a lot of native americans out here do make fry bread and it you know it's i guess it's called different things in different regions called, yeah, yeah it's called different things in different places everyone argues about who invented fry yeah. bread and whose fry bread is better and <laughs> hopies were just kind of oh, we don't really care yeah, we don't really care as long as we put some beans on it and uh call it a day as long as you put a handful of salt on it then we're good <laughs> exactly but i can tell you one thing is that the white man actually invented fry bread what yeah, white man actually did invent fry bread. What are you talking about? Donuts? <laughs> no, he actually invented fry bread. He they, he said that here's some uh, ingredients, try to make it work. And uh, oh, yeah, you know what? Make some fry bread while you're at it. So I think the white man did invent fry bread. Crickets. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> no, it's for real. It, 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 you know, white man did invent fry bread. I don't think you're going to find anybody out there that's going <laughs> to agree with you, Carl. <laughs> Yeah, a white man will probably agree. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess, you know, thinking of that of that concept of being res out, what are some other examples that you can think of from your childhood of kind of some of the different things that you've seen to where you're utilizing other types of things for a different purpose than what its intention was? Um, like dirt supposed to stay outside and we put it in our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not how you're supposed to use that, so. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. We rode bikes with uh, flat tires. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. We, uh, oh, we, uh, jumped down the cliff to see how far we can land <laughs> before, before we break anything for your entertainment, for entertainment, for your entertainment. <laughs> One of the things that I remember is that at my Soos house, she used to have an old refrigerator outside. Yeah. But that was kind of like, um, a, a storage shelf. Yeah. It was a storage area. So you had real old school uh, refrigerator and then you opened it and there was all kinds of seeds in there yeah. and all of these different seeds are in containers pickle jar containers cool whip containers and I think that that's kind of another joke about being rezzed out is that we <laughs> use things like the cool whip containers we save them afterwards the, the butter the, I can't believe it's not I butter. can't believe it's not butter <laughs> or um, you remember those uh, tin uh, those big um, circular tin cans that held those cookies oh yeah it? the little Butter bread cookies. And, and, yeah. and that was another joke was that every everybody so had all her sewing supplies <laughs> in there. Actually, so still has her sewing supplies in the, the tin thing. And I was like, oh, cool cookies. I opened it up. Ah, like, oh, this is just so sewing stuff. 
<laughs> that's funny because I, I think that that's happened to a lot of us yeah. that you go into your soul's home and then you see a tin of something that you yeah. think it's a yeah. treat. You think it's cookies or you think it's something and you open it and it's just some other thing that's in there. <laughs> but you know, that's something that we do do we, that the old ladies that they'll hold on to those containers and they'll keep them because then that they find a different use for them than oh, yeah. for whatever it is that came in. And then I think that, you know, anybody that's growing up on, on the reservation is that, you know, you had things like, uh, cause we played sports, right? Oh yeah. We yeah. played a lot of sports and he talked about, you know, playing football and getting tackled on some gravel or playing other things. We talked about in other episodes, playing things like smear the queer and, <laughs> yeah. you know, just throwing things down for some reason. Like we were violent. Like, I don't know why, like our, our, a lot of our games involve violence. Like nineties kids were so violent that, <laughs> Hey, we grew up. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like back then we used to, do tag, you know, like the tag thing, but we used to make it interesting where we would tag and then just push them hard to the ground. <laughs> and then, you know, the kid would be crying or huffing or trying to get air because it fell weird and you're just laughing. <laughs> But we would do things like that. But, you know, I think that a universal sport, too, that all natives like to play is basketball. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, the idea of playing basketball that you have to have a basketball hoop. And so I remember in those early days, like you would see makeshift basketball hoops. They'd be made out of like the wooden buckets, but they would cut the bottom out. Either those or the, the green milk crates that the uh, school, the, the singular school servings of milk would come in. Well, with us, what we did was that we got the tire rim from a bicycle. Yeah. Cut out the spokes and then just nailed it to the <laughs> side of Soos <laughs> Timtoki. We, we got in trouble for that because... You know, we, we nailed uh, into her timtoki and she didn't like that. So, And so you did things like that with the basketball. But with the basketball, one thing that always used to make me laugh is because you think about, you know, basketball, um, you turn on ESPN, there's hardwood. Yeah. Or yeah. when you go to a school, there's a gym where yeah. there's either hardwood or concrete to where the ball actually bounces the way that you're supposed to, that it's supposed to. But then out here on the reservation, it's like you played on dirt courts. <laughs> and I remember I had a friend and he was from the city. And he would say, he's like, the reason why you guys from the Riz are all good at basketball is because when you bounce the ball on the ground, that it goes in a different direction. <laughs> so you learn how to that control it. That it's supposed to go. And so you learn how to control <laughs> the basketball by bouncing it in the way that you think it's going to bounce. And so that's how you get good at uh, handling the ball. See, when we were growing up, we never used to have a basketball. We just used to um, shoot with like our soccer ball that we found. Or maybe like a volleyball that we didn't even know it was a volleyball. And so we used to play basketball with that. You know, it wasn't until our later years that Seoul bought us a basketball. Yeah, that was often, um, I, I guess that was a, a pretty common practice. Yeah. That you wouldn't use the right balls for certain <laughs> things. Just whatever is round and you can. Whatever is around <laughs> and whatever whatever you think will work. Because then like that, like if you're a village kid, remember, right? Remember that game horse? Yeah, horse. Yeah, horse. Yeah, we used to do a lot of that where we used to, uh, um, you know, shoot from odd angles and stuff like that. I remember uh, one time we we had our basketball court was right across the road and um, we said, let's play a horse. So we start throwing the ball across the road and stuff like that, try to make it and, and everything like that. And we actually hit a car and uh, we got in trouble for that too. So... <laughs> The the thing that I was going to say is that because, you know, you learn about some of these sports through through the TV or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So you want to play bowling, right? Nobody has real bowling pins. 
So you're walking around the village and you're playing uh, bowling with uh, T-Bird bottles <laughs> or Budweiser bottles. Actually, one time my soul bought a bowling set. Remember those little plastic bowling set? Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. So but I didn't have a, a lane or like we had dirt. And so I made one out of like cardboard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted it to be smooth. And um, you know how like the the thing that you catch the ball and the little pins go in. Yeah. I found a rusty old, um, what you call it? A drum. Yeah. Yeah. Those metal drums. And there was like jagged edges around there. And, and I was like, okay. So I set it up and I'm playing, uh, you know, I'm playing a uh, bowling by myself and I was having a good time. And I went over there to go, uh, set up my pins and I got cut on the rusty, <laughs> rusty thing. I still have a scar on my head. <laughs> This is, this is res bowling out here. <laughs> you get hurt in the process. Well, the thing that you said that kind of reminded something in me too, is that, you know, you, you talked about a car, but you know, there was a lot of broken down vehicles all over the place. Oh yeah. And I remember that there was a couple of broken down cars near where we used to grow up with my, at my soul's house. Yeah. And it was, those broken cars were kind of fun because then you would go into them and you would sit in there and you would pretend like it's a rocket (laughs) ship because then when you go into an actual working vehicle and you start pressing the button, someone gets pissed at you. But then when you go into the broken down cars, you're pressing everything, acting (laughs) like you're blasting off to Mars. And uh, remember the cars back then, they were stick shift. Yeah. So I would used to do the same thing too. You know, you go in there and then shift all these things and stuff like that. I was like, what does this do? (laughs) (laughs) You're sitting in there, you're like five or six years old, ready, countdown, Houston, 10, (laughs) 9. Is he ready to blast off into space? (laughs) In your res rocket? (laughs) In your res rocket. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like during childhood, we had all of these different things and we didn't have... Uh, like uh, like playgrounds to go to. Oh, no. Yeah, no. we didn't have grass. back in our days. Yeah, back in our days. We didn't have like grass that we could go and lay. What's grass? Yeah, I mean, the first time I walked on grass and I'm like, this is so soft and springy. <laughs> and even to this day too, because we don't walk on grass hardly. And, you know, when, when we go to a grass field and we're like, oh, this feels really nice on my on my feet here. You feel you know? fancy. You feel fancy. And it's like, we should have a picnic out here, you know, and uh, I brought my baloney. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too, that I kind of wanted to talk about in terms of like this res mentality. And, you know, you talk about, you see a lot of jokes and memes on the internet, on Facebook or social media in terms of native people specifically yeah. about the places that we shop. And that these two places that they talk about being this uh, Indian mall, I guess is a uh, Walmart. Walmart and you know that there's a lot of jokes on there about natives and Walmart but then it really is it's a place that you see natives a lot whether you're in Flagstaff or Gallup some of these local Walmarts I think there's one in Winslow too yeah and I think the fact that the reason why you see us there is because it's a it's a cheaper price for a lot of the products that are there in comparison to a lot of the other places and then the flea market is that you know that um, I guess there isn't really one in Hopi, but Tuba has one 
that they used to have on the Fridays. And then for those of us that uh, would travel down to Phoenix, that you would have the the big one over by that Greyhound Park. Oh, yeah. The the big flea market thing. What is it? Yeah. The Greyhound Park. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Par- park and Swap. Park and park Swap. And swap. Park and Swap. Yeah. And so those are the places that we used to go to. And I think that any Hopi kid um, growing up on the reservation, at least during our time, that when you would travel out to Phoenix, that that was always a that, stop yeah. was going to Park and Swap. And I haven't been there in quite some time. The last time that I went, it was so much smaller oh, really? than from what I remember it used to being. But it, you could find some really cool stuff that you can't find anywhere else. I like the knives over there. You know, those Mexican guys <laughs> that have the knives. And I remember one year, um, I, I asked Sol to buy me an axe, like a battle axe. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is a this is a true story here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is this is a true story. I, we, sh- I shouldn't <laughs> laugh because then I think that well, one of my nephews, it was a goal of ours to get one of those real nunchucks that they used to oh, sell at yeah. Parkinswap. <laughs> so this is a true story here. Um we went to Parkinswap and, and I was probably maybe like 10, 12 years old and I was going by myself and I felt independent. <laughs> so it might be a battle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was weird because, you know, they had these different aisles that I'm like looking around and I saw some phones and I'm like, yeah, it's boring stuff here. And I saw the, saw some Mexican guy, you know, had like these display of knives and I was like, oh, cool knives. And, and I seen like in this display box was a battle ax a two-headed battle axe and I'm like that's what I want so I run to my soul you know they're eating ice cream and churros and and I'm like so I found something that I want it only costs like uh, 75 bucks (laughs) (laughs) and she's like okay let's go over there and I go we go to the knives and she's like you want a knife and I'm like no I want the battle axe (laughs) so and she's like why do you want a battle axe? And I'm like, so I can chop wood. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I don't know how I talk so into buying. She a, bought it. She bought, you. she bought me the battle axe. You know, it was pretty cool, man. It was so cool. And it was like, it was, it was cheaply made, you know, that it was like, you know, it had like a steel pipe, it's like a regular steel pipe with just a, a cutout of a, of a battle axe, you know, welded in there, tacked in there. And, and I thought it was so cool. <laughs> and back then, you know, you listen to heavy metal and I was like, listen to heavy metal with my battle axe, you know, listen to Slayer back then, battle axe in it. And, you know, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne, you know, and, and that was the day. Those were the, that was the best days of my life is, you know, so buying me battle axes and stuff like that. I still haven't stopped laughing. <laughs> Cause that's like the most carless <laughs> thing in the world is to get someone to buy you a battle axe from this parking spot. <laughs> it was well, cool. 
the most, I think some of the most memorable things that I can think that I, I've never, I don't think I've ever gotten my parents to buy me anything <laughs> above the $20 level uh-huh. at Park and Swap. But I mean, some of the things you remember that monkey that used to yeah, be Yeah, that's what I was going to say that day. And then you would hand out like a dollar or some coins and then he'd walk up to you and he'd, he'd grab it from you and he'd put it in his pocket. That was another thing. But the other thing too that I really used to like was there was this one black man that used to sell pop. Oh, on the yeah, way, yeah, on, the yeah, way, yeah. on your way out yeah. as you were driving out. And so he'd be standing there, you know, ice cold, ice cold. And then you'd stop and then you'd give him some money and then you'd get some some cold pop. And it was always good to have because in Phoenix, it especially hot during the summertime or during some of the hot months and you're just outside walking uh, around out there at park and swap. And then you get some pop from, from the black man and man, that, that was really, really soothing. Yeah. Remember park and swap never used to have those overhead things before. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. Right. And then the they shade. put, yeah. The then shade. now they put it over there. So it was, it got hot. Yeah. So. It got hot, but you know, th- those are some of the places that we used to shop at. And I think just really because of the cost and you find things that, you know, you don't see in other, some of the other, the stores, but I guess kind of going back on, you know, talking about that res mentality is that, you know, what do you, what do you think some of the pros and cons are of, of the way that we think? Well, what I think is that, you know, we, we, we become closed minded and we become so closed minded to the fact that we don't want to experience anything new mm-hmm, in our villages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't want anything new. Like, like right now we're in Hotvela, we don't, you know, some of our elders don't want electricity mm-hmm. or want running water or want anything that can help us in the future. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, I guess it kind of is a downfall because of that. And which makes it very, very hard for us to, to have these necessities. Yeah, that that I guess um, closed-mindedness is, yeah. is something that we've talked about in a lot of the different episodes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we don't want change. Yeah. We don't want our cheese to be moved. No, no. That we want things to stay the same. We don't want to accept things like... Uh, have you, have you ever heard this concept? I think it's something that they do out in the cities now. But it's uh, it's something called a gender gender terms or something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like, uh, they, or yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you know, cause then, you know, I've brought that idea up to, you know, s- some people out here and you know, it, like I, they kind of laugh at it yeah because then, you know, they don't really understand the the purpose of it or why it exists, the, the gender neutral terms or something like that. But it's basically how you choose to identify yourself and how you would like others to identify you because then you have folks out there that are male or, or female biologically, but they don't identify as male or female. And so they would prefer to be referred to as uh, by their, their uh, appropriate nouns, which is them, them they, they, or theirs. Yeah. But for guys like us, you know, it would be he, his, and no. his or something like that. No, it would, if we were, if we were something like that, then we would be the same way, them or their, Right. No, I, I, I identify as a male. I know, but if you were not identified as both male and female and you wanted to do the pronoun thing, that, it would be like them, them, there. No, for, for, for guys, it's like if you identify as a male, it's his, his. And, oh, yeah. Like the pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Anyway. But, <laughs> Confusing <laughs> right now. But that, you know, that's an example of, of things that we're not really open to. Yeah. Because then, you know, like how it's always been, it's always just been men and women. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of an example of what some of the cons might be. Um, some of the cons you do see it on social media a lot is that we're a very 
reactionary based community. Oh yeah. That when something happens, we're quick to react. And it's often with negativity. It is. When you see changes made by leadership, when you see changes made within our communities, it's always negative in how we react to it. Why are they doing this? How come they don't do it this way? And it's always a response in that manner is how come somebody else isn't doing this? It's never, how can I help to fix this problem? Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's weird because even our leadership here, you know, we're, he's constantly, you know, being bombarded by all of his past life because he was an alcoholic in the past. And even to this day, even when he's sober so many years afterwards, giving up that life to pursue something better, that is always brought up in uh-huh. the first sec- in that first segment of asking him questions. So, so when he does something that we don't like and, you know, the response is, oh, because oh, he's, a, he's drunkard, just a drunk. Because yeah. he's a drunkard. Yeah. That's, why, that's why he's and making these that's decisions. That, that's that whole negativity that surrounds us every <laughs> we time. We don't think sometimes, <laughs> I guess, is the issue. Yeah, that's true. You know, we speak before we think. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's what I mean by we're, we're a reactionary society. And that's sometimes, you know, like a lot of the times that... Um, negativity really is the driving force in how we communicate with people because then you know i i um i i shared this meme on our instagram and it says how do you say uh good for you in hopi and the the answer is must be must be this guy here (laughs) must be nice must be nice and so you know that's kind of what that means yeah exactly you're not really happy for them but it's just like well good for you or you just say you have this guy (laughs) (laughs) but i guess what um uh, going on the other side where do you think some pros are in in terms of how we think i guess the strong culture part of it is the pro part of it is that even though we are closed-minded, it, it, it does play a huge advantage because if we were open-minded to everything else out there, then yes, we would have like shopping malls in our villages and we would have, you know, McDonald's at the end of our, our village. Our outhouses yeah. would be a gender neutral. Gender neutral. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> like it is a gender neutral, neutral bed. <laughs> And, you know, and, and without them saying that, okay, we don't want this in our village because we want to preserve how we. This idea yeah, of what Hopi is. Yeah, exactly. And that, I guess that goes and plays that pro part of it. So. And I, I think, you know, I didn't really get to speak on it a whole lot at the beginning when we talked about it, but it really is, you know, maintaining those Hopi values, maintaining those traditional ideals of how we're supposed to be stewards of the earth, of yeah. how we're supposed to take care of the earth. Although that there's probably some Hopis listening to this right now and they're like, well, what about the dump sites where people just dump trash <laughs> on the side of the Mesa? But, you know, for some of us, you know, we still have that idea yeah. where, you know, you're supposed to take care of the land where you have this idea that, you know, that human beings aren't really above other life forms like no. animals and insects and uh, other types of plant life. That we're all that created we live equal. in this universe together as a whole. And so, you know, I think that we, the fact that we maintain some of those ideas and we maintain that type of mentality that I've always thought was a strong thing about us. And even just the way that we grew up, the fact that I think that we were raised tough and because we were raised tough, that that makes us resilient people. Oh, the yeah. fact that we can endure a lot of, you know, what, what some of the bad things are going on out there in life. And that's always kind of been a difficult thing for me to kind of, I guess, uh, go through when you hear about some of these new concepts 
of things like mental health that that this day and age that it's supposed to be okay to talk about your feelings that it's supposed to be okay to go seek help yeah because in the way that we were raised as village people or reservation people was that as a Hopi male you deal with your feelings yourself. Oh, yeah. You take care of everything yourself, and you're supposed to be the strength of your family. That's why you never saw your father cry. No. You never saw your kua cry. No. Because they're supposed to be the strength and the anchor of your family. And that's something that I always took to heart because I did see that as strength. The fact that our men could go through certain types of difficult things within their lives, within the world with, you know, some of these bad things that happens to our families. Yeah. But yet they maintain their composure. And that's something that I did and still do see as strength, even though that the communication that you hear now in a way kind of disagrees with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially with that, with the whole world now with this cancel culture that's happening and with this whole idea of, of like, you know, natives taking back the land, you know, all of the different things that are happening nowadays, it's, it's changing the world. It's changing the structure of, of everything now. So and it's starting to change our world out and here. Yeah, exactly. To a degree. I really, I really, I really like that. I don't know if you ever seen that show Cobra Kai. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I really like the guy the the guy that's the main star in there, uh, Willie uh, Billy Zabka, yeah, his, yeah, his yeah. character because then you know he kind of talks about that like back in my day you know we were tough and you know the world's not gonna get any easier for anybody so yeah. why are we raising our kids <laughs> to be pansies you know I I really I really do appreciate that type of mentality <laughs> exactly well I think it's time for us to head on out so what do you say. Yeah, let's go get some lunch. All right, perfect. All right, well, thank you again for uh, listening to our rant and, uh, you know, <laughs> so buying me uh, a battle axe. So. Yeah, I don't know how our conversation tied into the idea of res mentality, <laughs> but if you figure it out, let us know. And you can find us on our social accounts if you're not following us on Facebook or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find all of that at Carl and J-Man. And then uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to smash that like button, like and subscribe. Our goal is to hit 100,000 subscribers. (laughs) Then we get a fancy plaque from YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so we're only uh, 999,800 subscribers away (laughs) so just create a bunch of accounts and just hit subscribe so i think that's how we got half of our accounts (laughs) carl's got like 100 youtube accounts (laughs) i got a bunch of 100 youtube accounts under different names so (laughs) so if you want to donate to us please go to anchor.fm slash cj podcast 85 to donate to become one of our sponsors or buymeacoffee.com slash cj podcast if you want to donate something Uh, Also, just make sure that you uh, like and subscribe to everything. Make sure you listen to all of our past episodes and, uh, you know, have a great day. Thank you. All right. My name. Thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl. This is my best friend, J-Man. So long. Quack, quack.